0: Welcome to another edition of Sports with Friends. This is episode 399. Next week, we'll have the 400th episode of Sports with Friends. So I'm able to sleep at night. I know it's booked, It's not recorded yet, so there's still a pit in my stomach. Still, this episode has been something I've wanted to talk about for a while, probably since January, and I was looking for the right person and time to do it. Not because it was episode 399. That has no impact on it whatsoever. Various sports leagues, including the NHL, have tried to raise the visibility and acceptance of the LGBTQ plus community. The NHL has been at the forefront of this, and they have had special jerseys designed by LGBTQ plus artists. They've had performances, information tables, and it's a celebration. The only time before this season that I was really aware of the Pride Nights was because there were some openly gay employees of the New Jersey Devils. who This meant a lot to them, and they were friends of mine, and I was very supportive. make no secret about the fact I'm a straight male, uh, but I have never had a problem with any kind of sexual preference whatsoever. I have many friends who are gay. And I have done podcasts in the past about this topic, about gay athletes. Several NHL players and a handful of teams opted out of wearing rainbow-colored jerseys on their team's Pride Nights for the first time. The first player to do so was Ivan Provorov of the Philadelphia Flyers. And I was really taken aback by it. I was annoyed. And... I didn't think it was as big a deal at the time because I thought it was an isolated thing with one guy. And I literally was like, oh, next time we play the Flyers, I want one of my players to knock him into the boards. But then a few weeks later, the New York Rangers decided to do it as an entire team. And as I'll state in this podcast, I had heard that it was because a few players didn't want the media backlash that the guy on the Philadelphia Flyers had faced. So rather than hang those two or three guys out to dry, They'd rather all be known as jerks to show solidarity. The Rangers are not the only team. The Chicago Blackhawks did it. The Minnesota Wild did it. The St. Louis Blues. And then there were individual players that chose not to, including the San Jose Sharks goalie, James Reimer. And there were different reasons being given by different players. Some used religion as a reason. Others said that they were Russian players, and there have been recent laws implemented by the Russian government, and they were fearful for backlash. The NHL came out and said there was no credible threat, but I'm not from Russia. All I know is there were other Russian players that wore the pride jerseys and nobody has physically harmed them. This isn't the first time this has ever happened in pro sports. In June, uh, five pitchers on the Tampa Bay Rays cited their Christian faith in refusing to wear pride jerseys. Uh, A U.S. women's national soccer player skipped an overseas trip back in 2017 when the team wore pride jerseys uh, and also didn't play in a national women's soccer league game for the same reason. NHL Commissioner Gary Bettman said the league will evaluate the offseason, how it handles pride nights moving forward, calling the refusals a distraction from the substance of what our teams and what we have been doing and stand for. Yet he also noted that the NHL teams and players overwhelmingly support Pride Nights. I can't help but remember that this is episode 399. And 100 weeks ago, episode 299, Gary Bettman was on this podcast. And this wasn't even a glimmer of a topic that I would have brought up. And since this is a hockey-themed podcast, the first round of the Stanley Cup playoffs is this week my favorite postseason of any sport. I know that's probably as controversial a statement as you'll hear on this podcast. The head odds maker at Sportsbook.com, Patrick Morrow, will join us in just a few minutes and we'll preview some of the first round series and give you the favorites for who can win the Stanley Cup. Before we get to our outstanding guest today, I wanted to play a clip that I heard on social media from the former president of the Pittsburgh Penguins. Now, he wasn't the former president when he did this interview. He did it about a couple of weeks ago. Uh, he has recently been fired, along with their general manager, Ron Hextall, as the NHL regular season ended and the P- Pittsburgh Penguins cleaned house. This interview had nothing to do with the Penguins or anything like that. And he, I thought, was very succinct in his thoughts as a league executive about this pride night. This audio is from March 25th, and it's courtesy of Sportsnet, the sports network from Canada. This is then Penguins president, Brian Burke.
1: To our friends in the LGBTQ community, don't be discouraged. We've had a couple of minor setbacks from a tiny number of players We've made steady and spectacular progress in this space. 32 teams will have held by the end of the season a Pride night. So even the teams here where we had some dissenters, the teams still held Pride night. It's still important. It's a very important part of what we do at the NHL, big part of Family Sports Group here in Pittsburgh. So don't get discouraged. We're doing a great job. There's two areas where that's been a, a matter of dis- dissension or that we're not gonna wear the sweater. One is for Russian-born players and the other is for religious reasons. And with the religious reasons, it just doesn't compute for me. I was born and raised a Catholic. I don't see any conflict between my religious beliefs and the ability to say to the LGBTQ plus community, you're welcome here. That's all Pride Night is, is you're welcome in our building. They're not asking to sign any forms, not asking to join any churches. It's about saying this community is valuable and important, and we want to honor
0: them. Joining us today on Sports with Friends is someone who has been outspoken on this topic. I found her through social media. She is currently a content contributor for the San Jose Sharks. And she also joined NBC Sports Bay Area on Sharks broadcasts. Before that, she was with SportsNet as an on-site co-host for Rogers Hometown Hockey Broadcasts, alongside Ron McLean. She has covered hockey for nearly a decade, and we are pleased to welcome her to the show. Tara, first of all, uh, congrats on the season with the San Jose Sharks. Uh, I read your introductory uh, letter that you wrote to Sharks fans, and you really tried to enamor uh, yourself with them. Every <laughs> every hockey fan base is so passionate. Uh, how has the first season been?
2: It's been great. I mean... You know, it's no secret that the Sharks themselves have not done terribly well. Um, So that part is always a struggle for any organization. It's, you know, sure. you, you're always, as a member of the broadcast media, trying to find the positives um, in a kind of a rebuild phase. But it's it's been awesome. I mean, I really had never, I'd never experienced this part of the world as a hockey fan. Uh, um, you're from Canada. Yeah, I, I'm yeah. 49 years in Canada and then all of a sudden I'm in, you know, in Northern the South California. Bay. Yeah. So it's a really diverse fan base. It's a really loyal fan base. Um, it's been a lot of fun because I work for the Sharks and I'm working for NBC doing broadcasts. So, so I feel like I have a bunch of different uh things that I you know get to do and um so the variety is keeps it all interesting and it's just been a really nice way to to start and then you know we'll see what happens next season in terms of the the growth of or expansion of my roles.
0: I've worked for teams and I've worked for stations um there mm-hmm. are different rules for each mm-hmm. um, can you say something on NBC that you can't say on a shark's broadcast like on a shark's you know, if you're, if you're doing something for the sharks, when you go on NBC, are you representing the sharks?
2: Yeah. I, I feel like I am anyway. I mean, it's, I th- the difference for me is more, you know, when I was working for a national broadcaster in Canada, right. still we had the rights to the NHL. So you, you do walk a fine line. Um, but yeah, I think when you work for a team, you have to look at uh, the loyalty and, and how you frame things and, Sure. Um, you know, so there's, there've been, I mean, there's not that much where I've had to be delicate, but, um, sometimes, and it is, it's different, you know, doing a, doing national matchups and then just doing the sharks, right. Sure. You're just, you're constantly you know, looking the team for the
0: differently and the, the, the fan base is much more intimate.
2: Well, yeah, you're just, you're looking for the storylines involving yeah. the team you work for. So it's, it's been really interesting for me.
0: You know, I was introduced to you on a pretty uh, heavy topic, and we talked about it in the open, and I played the Brian Burke clip that I saw from your Twitter account, uh, which I thought was set the table very, very well. Um, But before that, I want to have a little bit of fun, because this is supposed to be a fun (laughs) podcast. Uh, Tell me, how is Fabian Zetterland? And how are the Zetterlin family? Because anytime I have taken my girls to Devil Games, we always seem to be sitting with the Zetterlands. They always are the three people with Zetterlin on the back of their jersey. And we just, we all we thought about was, where's the family going to go? We're worried about the family. How is Fabian <laughs> and how's his family?
2: I, you know what? I wish I could give you an answer. I, do, I don't really know. I mean, <laughs> so you funny. know, I, I think he's been a great addition to the team and, and you know, it's fun to see these new pieces of the puzzle, uh, insert themselves. Um, but no, I haven't, I haven't been around, uh, him yeah, yeah. personally yet or, or his okay. family. So I'll, I'll right. tell him you say hi though. When I do, uh, I, I
0: will send my regards. <laughs> we were a bit big fans. You, you got to give up something to get something. I mean, that's, that's the nature of, of hockey trades and, uh, it wasn't a, a, a money thing and, uh, Timo Meyers fitting in well. I can, I can just say that he he seems to be a a (laughs) prince among men from what I hear. I I haven't met him yet personally, but he seems to be a hell of a dude.
2: He's a hell of a dude. Um, you know, I always like Timo. I I'm from Halifax, Nova Scotia. So he is a a beloved alumnus of the Halifax Mooseheads organization. Uh, so I always have a, a certain fondness for, for those players who come out of there. Um, And yeah, this—I mean, obviously, you know—he—he's a star here. He really grew—he grew into a star here. Yeah. Um, So you know, you want success for the guy. It's nice. Good. So you'll be
0: rooting for my team in the playoffs, right?
2: I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I'll be rooting for him. After this podcast,
0: I'll convince you.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I—I tend to now, you know, having worked in hockey for so long at this point, and being kind of dissuaded from. Um, you know, being partial, I, I root for players. So I'll, I'll be rooting for Timo. I like storylines, you know, more of
0: our conversation with Tara Sloan from the San Jose sharks in just a moment. But first it is the Stanley cup playoffs and why not take the opportunity to look at the games. The first round is already underway. Let's welcome in the head odds maker at Bovada, Patrick Morrow. Let's take a look at these series. Uh, Let's talk about the Toronto Maple Leafs, your beloved team, and the Tampa Bay Lightning. Been to the finals the last three years. They've won two of the last three Stanley
3: Cups. Lightning and your Leafs. Once again. The objective here. Once again, the Tampa Bay Lightning in the first round. We, We cannot avoid them. Uh, and it has not gone well for us uh, in any year that we've played them. Um, I I like what the Leafs have done this year. it's, It's very weird to be high and hopeful for your team when they play in the same conference as the Boston Bruins. So it really does kind of feel that even if the Leafs were to get past the Lightning in this one, and they are favored to do so, is that going to be our victory? Is that our Stanley Cup that we finally got out of the first round? And I think I'm just speaking as a battered Leafs fan when I say all of this. I would like us to beat the Lightning. We should beat the Lightning. We are minus 170 right now at the Vada to beat the Lightning. But I just... I don't believe in playoff curses. But when it's a team you love and care about, weirdly, you get superstitious in a way that you wouldn't uh, for any other team when you discuss that. Uh, a lot of serious correct score stuff, serious handicap out there as well. It, it was... And and these get updated each day, which is very, very cool as well. So, you know, uh, if you like what the Leafs are doing, if you like what Tampa's doing, uh, or you want to take a shot at one of these teams for a comeback, we are constantly updating.
0: All right, we did your team. Now let's do mine. The New Jersey Devils making the playoffs for the first time in five years, taking on their arch rival, the New York Rangers. It's the seventh time in the history of these two teams that they're facing each other in the playoffs. What say you? Devils, Rangers, and be kind.
3: Seth, I, I won't just be kind, I will I will show you solidarity and let you know that I personally have bet the New Jersey Devils to defeat the hated New York Rangers in the first round. I, I don't say that as financial advice, that's just what I personally feel about the current series price available out there. And for those wondering, that, cur- that price went off the board at minus 120 for the New Jersey Devils. I, you know, personally, I I gave the Devils a little bit more of a chance. I I think they are closer to 56, 57% to win this. I know that doesn't sound like much, but when you are trying to make value bets, uh, it's really just about trying to overcome what the payout odds are versus what the break-even odds are on them actually occurring. So at minus 120, that's only about 52, 53% for the Devils. So if I think they're 56, 57, I love them. Um, having said that, I clearly disagree with the odds makers at Bavada because the Devils went off the board, minus 120. Uh, action was pretty split there, but uh, we are going to be completely partisan. Go Devils go.
0: I knew I liked you. All right, let's, let's do this. Tell me about the futures. We did this in the NBA a couple of weeks ago. Uh, tell me about the futures for the Stanley Cup. Uh, clearly, the Boston Bruins would be the favorite. I would imagine the Edmonton Oilers are the second favorite. Tell me about the futures for the cup.
3: Seth, yeah, you, you hit the nail right on the head there. The Bruins are just, it's, you know what? It reminds me of uh, the Lightning when they were that dominant team about five, six years ago. And then they got bounced by the Columbus Blue Jackets in the first round, which was really just speaks to as much as we know who the great teams are in the league. Uh, it's It's still a very unpredictable one. Uh, The Bruins right there, they started the playoffs as plus 275 favorites. That is massive when there are 16 teams in contention to win the Stanley Cup. Uh, The Oilers right there behind them at 6-1. They are our biggest liability. Uh, They were our biggest liability going into the playoffs. You know, I think one of the big questions this year uh, and every year with the Oilers is, we know they can score, Uh, but can they uh, defend a little bit? They didn't really have to this year with Connor McDavid putting up video game numbers. I don't know if that usually works as well in the playoffs. History suggests it doesn't, but it's a great story that the Oilers and a guy like McDavid are projected to go as far as they are in the playoffs because he is the best. He is so good. And one of the worst things you can see in sports is a fantastic otherworldly player like him, uh, see his career kind of wasted in a locale where they're not making any kind of runs. So as much as they're the biggest liability on the board, uh, I, I'm rooting for them to make a bit of a run because I think it's good for hockey. It's good for hockey in Canada. Uh, you know, I, I'm still that weird Canadian that, you know, if, if the Leafs are out, uh, I, I'd like to see the Oilers make a run. It'd be cool to see the Jets make a run, especially because of the Jets' story of getting their team back. But to really just hit the nail on the head of how wide open the NHL futures are compared to the NBA or the NFL when the series starts, well, when the playoffs starts, pardon me, the worst odds on the board to win the Stanley Cup at Bavada are the New York Islanders at 35 to one. That goes to show that this is as wide open as it can be. Yeah, we have massive favorites, but this, anybody can make a run. Any goalie can get hot, any puck can bounce the weird way. And, and and that's why we watch, that's why we love it.
0: That's exactly right. The Stanley Cup playoffs, in my opinion, are the best of the post seasons in all of sports. And that's not a knock on any other sport. It's the Stanley Cup playoffs that are so amazing. It's also because of that that when something happens in the NHL that's worth talking about, we have to cover it. Let's continue this conversation with Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks and NBC on the NHL Pride Nights. Mm -hmm. This isn't the first year that the NHL had these Pride Nights Mm -hmm. and... It just so happens, though, that this year, this seems to have been much more of a problem than I was comfortable with. And that's why I wanted to do this podcast. Um, I don't understand it. Uh, I, I I need a little bit more explanation. Um, I thought what Brian Burke said in the beginning of the podcast was very simple. Um, It doesn't mean that you have to be a supporter even. You don't even have to like gay people. You could think it's the grossest thing in the world. If you want to, that's not what the jerseys represent. The jerseys just represent, you're you're all welcome. Whatever you're into, you're welcome in our buildings. And I thought it was a beautiful thing and I really wanted it to happen. Mm -hmm. And it just seemed to spiral because what the initial reason for Ivan Provorov of the Flyers to do or the New York Rangers, just seemed to spiral out of control, and every excuse in the book was being thrown. yeah, what was your perspective on the whole thing?
2: I mean i, I you know, I feel the way a Berkey does, I think, um, you know, and I think that's that's the lowest but that That sets the bar pretty low, right? Like, I mean, think, ultimate, ul- yeah, I mean, ultimately we want a lot more than just tolerance, but at the very least, can you give tolerance mm-hmm. <laughs> to people from the LGBTQ plus community? I mean, it, that should just be, you shouldn't have to think about it. Um, yeah, it's been really disappointing to see the sort of cascading effect, um, you know, when it comes to players and teams, um, the most disturbing thing to me though, is really the teams pulling their, their pride jerseys and their pride nights altogether. Um That, that signals to me, uh, I hope it's not the beginning of the end, but you know, I, I just think that, I mean, I, I'm a, obviously I work for the sharks, but I think, you know, they set a really good example as did the flyers. You know, there are, there are players on those teams for whom that Jersey, for whom wearing, you know, that logo, um, is actually very meaningful. And so to give them the opportunity to show their support is really important. Sure. And so when the teams like the New York Rangers, like the Minnesota wild have taken away that opportunity, I find that to be very disturbing. That being said, you know, given the way the world is right now, I'm not surprised. And it just highlights the mm-hmm. amount of work that is to be done. Um, this is a very divided society. It's, you know, gay rights, trans rights. It's been so overly politicized. Um, They've become these sort of, you know, conservative talking points. And so these are scary times. And so for me, it really highlights the need, um, you know, to work behind the scenes, you know, pride nights are important, but, you know, I will always go with my friend Brock McGillis who is a, you know prominent LGBTQ+ plus activist and mm-hmm. educator in hockey it is really about you know educating and humanizing the experience i know Megan Duggan i did a, a talk for the Leafs organization before their pride night and you know i i think getting people in for conversations with these hockey players who some of them might not know any gay people you know right like right. i just think that they've been in this sort of really insular pipeline and so i think it really just serves to show us like how much education is necessary at all levels of hockey
0: what i what i struggled with the most was well let's address the rangers because you brought up the rangers and I, you know i'm saying this on my podcast i take full responsibility for it but I only heard it through a, a third party, someone who covers the Rangers, was that there were three or four players that didn't want to do it, mm-hmm. and they saw what the Philadelphia media was doing to Ivan Provorov, and so rather than hang those four players out to dry, they wanted to show team
2: solidarity, right? And that's which that is very be, hockey. That's a very right. hockey thing to do. Okay.
0: Yeah. So 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 it it's better to have everyone labeled as assholes as <laughs> you know than than to have those four people you know labeled as assholes that that's what drove me uh crazy about it as if I needed another reason to hate the rangers I mean their owner <laughs> is a misogynist and and now you know on top of that this team wouldn't even participate but at the time they were the only one you know, at, at the time, they were the first, mm-hmm. and then it just spiraled. And I didn't want to do, address it on the podcast when it was just the Rangers, because I don't want to be coming off on the guy who lives in New Jersey who's bashing on the Rangers. That's not, right. that's not what I'm trying to get at. The, the, the excuses that were made, I, I will tell you, I respect all religions. I've been talking to a friend of mine about starting an anti-Semitism podcast, because I've noticed so much of that. And maybe this topic will come up, but one thing I've noticed about religion is religion is real convenient when prejudice is is the real thing and you're trying to cover it up. Mm-hmm. And I didn't ask you before we started what religion you are, and I don't. It doesn't matter. It's not. It's not the relevant part of this. What's relevant is when you hear the Stahl Brothers or the Sharks goalie James Reimer or anybody who has used religion as the connection i would be offended if i was of that religion like that would that would bother me on another level if i was because if i'm the same religion as that person you just
2: slap my religion in the face but well, i mean i i know lots of church-going god fearing people who definitely do not have that take and i mean all you have to do is you know drive and you can see a protestant or a united church and you know you'll see the pride flag on the side so you know i i agree and listen i i understand that for some people um you know that it really was a hard decision and they they stand by um i guess how they've grown up but again i i'll just say that like have a, have a conversation like, okay, the stalls, like, let's sit you down and like have a conversation with Brock McGillis and let him explain to you, um, you know, why it's important just simply to be welcoming, you know? And and I do think it, it will, it has to just come down to that. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's, it's sad. These are sad times. And and I do think I I don't want to ever insult anybody's, um, you know, faith. I have my own. We all have our own. But um, I think <laughs> there are enough, uh, you know, examples of religious inclusion that, um, yeah, it, it just seems like a convenient smokescreen.
0: Way back in episode 75 of this podcast. So this is episode 399. So we're talking years ago, multiple years ago, more than five years ago. Uh, I had Billy Bean, uh, not the former AGM. Uh, he is the MLB executive in charge of inclusion, and it was after an incident where uh, he, what he did during spring training one year, he traveled to a bunch of different spring training uh, facilities, and he ch- kind of just was like an honorary player for a day, mm-hmm. and what, the reason why he was there was it wasn't to address the team. It was to just be there so that if a player wanted to talk to him privately, that was being made available. And so I put Billy Bean on the podcast because Daniel Murphy, uh, former second baseman, came right out and said how much they appreciated Billy Bean being available to talk, even though I think gay people are going to hell. Like, (laughs) what? (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) And I was just like, I couldn't believe it. And I I ripped that guy on social media at that time because, I mean, the quotes exist. I, I didn't make them up. That, that, that wasn't a source. He said it publicly, and yeah, he's a bastard anyway. the The argument from that standpoint, though, is that the league is walking this fine line because he, well, I guess here's my question: What are the what's the union saying about any of this? Are the is the union backing these players? Because if their own union is going to hang them out to dry. First of
2: all, have more pride nights. And second of all, you know, tell these idiots to shut up. Listen, I don't know what's going to happen. You know, the, the, the commentary I've seen from Gary Batman, first of all, so we're talking about the league is that he has found, um, you know, these pride nights now to be a distraction. So that's very distressing because if, you know, if that is their take, then you, what, what does the NHL stand for? And I haven't heard any commentary from the Players Association. So, I mean, I just, you know, I think that they, everybody right now wants to um, placate everybody. And that certainly doesn't work.
0: That's what it looked like to me. To me, you know, and I'll, I'll come off as, as biased. Ironically, 100 episodes ago, Gary came on this podcast. We did not talk about this. Hmm. No, um, of course. But but we addressed a, a bunch of other things. What I feel like his job, like any commissioner, is he has to straddle the fence because he has to placate, you know, all these different owners and all these different people in the, in the league. And he can't come out and just openly bash, you know, Adam Silver had a lot of problems, you know, ripping players. And you saw what they did eventually forcing that Clippers owner, that Donald Sterling to sell the Clippers. Um, But that was, he had to be caught on tape. You know what I mean? Like he had to openly be caught on tape to to even make a move and even that was really really hard um the nhl's in a in a weird spot uh did the sharks ask you or did you choose did you talk to james reimer
2: i did not talk to james reimer no um no i was watching the press um availability from home um I was, I, we had been given some heads up that there was a player at least who was going to sit it out. Um, it didn't occur to me for a second. It would be him. Uh, I thought the, you know, the the press availability was like 20 minutes long. So i I really felt like my colleagues in the, the local San Jose press did a great job of, you know, holding James to account. And, um,
0: well, and I'm not criticizing you because that's an awkward spot. If you're a team employee. Like that. Yeah, a, that's yeah. A fine I mean, I, I am, am there. I can't imagine. That's the only reason why I asked it too.
2: I am at those sometimes. Um, I didn't go because it was an early game, so I was just watching it on the computer. Uh, but they, you know, they asked the questions that I would want to ask and, and have answered. So I, I think they did a good job. And um, you know, I nobody told me what to say. Like we we addressed Reimer's decision early in the broadcast in the pregame, and we didn't talk about it again because you know, we didn't want it to overshadow the positives of the night. And we certainly, you know, didn't want it to overshadow the great work that the San Jose sharks did and have done and continue to do in that space. But, you know, to, to their credit and NBC also um, nobody vetted me, you know, nobody said, okay, don't say this, but they knew that they, of course, they knew I was, I was going to be careful. Um, and diplomatic as possible, but while all the while expressing disappointment, which is fair.
0: You know, the argument that I've heard, I want to I, I want to watch what I say. I I don't want to come off like I have a political bias. Um, I can say in good conscience, I I know really good, decent Republicans. You know, I know people who are in the Republican Party that have, that are not racists and they're not awful people and they're really good. Good people, and to that end, uh, I, I struggle with it because it's very easy to bash a whole side of mm-hmm. this, uh, mm-hmm. especially when you see, you know, right wing uh, networks like Fox News support these players and you know give them their rights and all that other bullshit, and just the idea that it must be very, very discerning, you know, to to have to walk that fence to to you know subscribe to certain things in the republican party i mean they better taxes you're like you bet, mm-hmm. you know bet, bet, there, there's reasons to to like what a republican does the problem that i find is it, it seems like it's the in the political playbook to play up these type things it seems like uh it is just well if 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 nothing else is working go after critical race theory or some bullsh- you know some some dumb Nonsense topic, and it just these aren't the things. So, um, what did you make of when the Blackhawks came out and said, Well, there's there's threats because <laughs> these Russian players are nervous? Yet, I saw I don't have the names in front of me here, but the two guys on the Nashville Predators two days later wore the jersey, they're Russian, and I guess yeah, they've been a lot threatened. Is that a made up thing?
2: You know again, I, I saw Brian Burke answer this question, and I feel similarly um there isn't ad- evidence of material threats however listen I, I if I put myself in their shoes and I come from a regime where people are being jailed left, right, and center, and there's all kinds of retribution sure. um I cannot speak to somebody's fear and say you're wrong, right so um, you know, maybe some of the players have used it as, um, you know, a little bit of a, a smokescreen or an excuse, but maybe not. I mean, uh, I think, I think, yeah, I, I would have a lot of trouble, um, invalidating that.
0: Well, I, I just think that players, players talk, you know, I, I'm, I'm sure you have this, you know, with the sharks and in your, in your other jobs, my my, my whole career was based on relationships and, you know, there were players, for example, that uh, told me they did steroids during my career. I never reported it. Mm -hmm. That was told to me in confidence. I just would love to know that I, you know, someone is in that Chicago Blackhawks clubhouse going seriously, is this, is this a real thing? Like, tell, tell me that. And I'm surprised that that's those stories haven't come out, even if it's an unnamed source, just say
2: it, you know, that it's, I mean, it's just, it's team first. It's, you know, that what, what is said in the locker room stays in the locker room. And, um, there is that, that culture of, you know, sort of shut down silence. So I'm not surprised. Um, yeah I'm I'm not surprised we haven't heard more but you know I I, I do have to think that there are players you know there are, and there are definitely players who have have made it very clear that um they stand for Pride Nights and understand the importance of Pride Nights and and I think that in a way you know b- by being outspoken about it those players are sort of tacitly sending a message to the the players who are abstaining
0: so to that end you know people listening to this podcast are they're going to fall into two factions uh, people who know the story and are either going to agree or disagree. Um, normally on this podcast, I do say that uh, since Tara is on, on social media, if you have any issues with anything coming up from this podcast, reach out to Tara directly and leave me the no. hell out of it. That's usually don't. the way-
2: <laughs> I don't <laughs> want it anymore.
0: That's usually what we've done on Sports with Friends in the 400 episodes. But uh, in this situation, if you have an issue, come come at me. I, I I've been the one that's made some- some blanket statements and it's my podcast and I, I I take responsibility for that. (laughs) I covered baseball for 26 years and baseball is not my number one. You know, hockey's always been my number one. I've always said that, Uh, but baseball was my career. I worked for major league baseball. I worked for ESPN. I've covered teams. I worked for four different teams. I know for a fact that in the 26 years that I traveled around with baseball, I knew that there was at least one, two, three, gay baseball players they were completely closeted
2: yep statistically absolutely
0: well i wanted to give the pretense when i ask you in your travels there are gay hockey players correct like they have to be miserable with this experience
2: i mean statistically yes but i i think you know if you're seeing what's happening now and you're feeling the um you know, how inhospitable perhaps these locker rooms seem to be, even if it's just a couple of players in there, um, then I, I mean, I, I certainly wouldn't blame anybody for, for not coming out. You know, it's just, it doesn't, it still does not seem like a, a good and safe environment. I mean, I, I, I can't wait for the day, you know, I was so elated when Luke Prokop who's a predators prospect came out um but you know there certainly has not been the the ripple effect of that it's just it remains a, a scary world it remains unfortunately you know a scary fan base in that way and uh it's not as doesn't feel like a safe space yet in men's um, hockey i would say women's hockey is it's a different thing so yeah. i don't want to say hockey in general sure that's
0: fair um, do you have a message to a fan who says, I, I don't care about this. Um, mm-hmm. th- 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 this is not my fight. I just want to watch hockey. Mm-hmm. That doesn't make them a bad person. It doesn't make them not an ally. It doesn't make them a, you know, a, a, a bigot. That's it, it, not what that person is. That person just wants to go watch hockey. I had one response on Twitter when I ripped, uh, Ivan Provorov who said, yeah, just can somebody clock him into the boards? Just just knock him and just say, Yeah, that's for pride. Like, that's how you know hockey players can handle it. You know, they take care of themselves. Um, do you what do you say to fans who don't want to not like James Reimer? Like, I I don't know James Reimer. Like I I'm not I'm not I, I'm just singling him out because he's on the sharks and you and you work there. Like there are people who are going to be very offended by what he did. It doesn't mean mm-hmm. they're not going to cheer when he makes a save. Mm-hmm. Like it's a, it's a very fine line. And, you know, I have a lot of, I know a lot of people who listen to this podcast are Rangers fans. Uh, they hate my guts, but that, that's all well and good. You know, should they not root for their whole team? Because they they were a bunch of jerks in, on a one night in, in January. Like how extreme do you sense we should be handling this? Especially
2: for people who sports is their entertainment. I, I mean, I think that's the dance we do in sports. It's the dance we do um, you know, with music and art and all disciplines when you know you're like, are you able to separate um the art from the artist? Are you able to separate, you know, the, the person from the athlete? That is a different negotiation for everybody. And I, I have no counsel other than it's harder for me maybe. Um, but you know, we give lots of excuses to lots of people, right. Um, like all your favorite old musicians are problematic. Um, so, you know, I, I think the message when, when people say, you know, keep politics out of sport, you know, it's a very privileged position to say, keep politics out of anything to be apolitical, It means that nothing pretty you have lived a pretty privileged life because nothing that's deemed political though i would sort of say it's more human rights oriented not politics but whatever it's become political you have to realize that if you feel like you can keep politics out of anything then you are in a bit of a you know your road is is more narrow but for people who are racialized um for you know women or people of different genders um for the lgbtq plus community any marginalized community like no they just there's just no such luxury and so you know the nhl knows that they need to grow the game this is not soccer this is a a less accessible game that is not growing you know as quickly and you know the the fan base needs to expand. So if you want to start including people who are not part of this homogenous fan base, then yeah, you you have to start making them feel included, and that includes yeah. pride nights and theme nights and and ways Chinese to grow New the Year game. nights and yeah, everything. ways to make people other than you know what has typically been considered the your average hockey fan. You have to make them feel welcome and safe.
0: More of Sports with Friends in just a moment. You know, I love hosting this show, and obviously I want as many people as possible to hear every episode. I put a lot of effort into them. The reality, though, is that podcast discovery, whether you're a podcaster or a podcast listener, is hard. That's why I've partnered with the folks at Marble. M-A-R-B-Y-L. Not like marbles in your mouth like it sounds when I'm doing my podcast. Marbles AI identifies the five most interesting moments in a podcast episode and instantly transforms them into searchable, shareable clips called marbles. We've done close to 400 episodes of this show, and sometimes you want to hear about themes that we've done. You can search for hockey podcasts that we've done, football podcasts that we've done. If you want to hear about the paralysis situation with Eric LeGrand. Or the release of Brittany Griner. We've done four separate podcasts on Brittany Griner's arrest. All the amazing coverage we did of sports and COVID. You can easily make a marble out of this. It's easy to create and share marbles from anywhere inside my episodes on the Marble app. And as a listener of Sports With Friends on Marble, I think it's cool that anyone can go in and be the first to claim something That's said on the show as their own personally created marble. You can share it on Instagram, TikTok, social media. And if you're old like me, you can even put it on Facebook. You can be the first to marbleize a moment on the show. And it helps me get discovered. If you're a podcaster, join me in marbleizing your show. Just head to marble.com, that's M-A-R-B-Y-L.com to get started. And if you're a listener that doesn't have a podcast, it's a great and free way to directly support Sports with Friends. To get the app, simply create and share one marble from something set on this show that you enjoyed, not something you hated. When you subscribe to my show on marble, you'll get access to all the latest marbles as they roll out. Marble is a free app for both iOS and Android users. So head to marble.com that's dot com, or search marble in the app or Google play stores to change the way you listen to podcasts. On pride night. What I hope is that the home team wins that day mm-hmm. so that you feel, you know, my, my attitude about hockey has always been, and I've said this for, as long as I've been in this business, um, all I say to anybody is go to one game, look me in the eye and tell me it's awful. No one ever does.
2: No, it's no one ever all. does.
0: <laughs> it's a it's, it's a riveting sport and it has the best competitive balance in all of sports. Every year there are no offense. The Sharks not included. There are five or six really good teams that are not going to make the playoffs. That happens every year in, in <laughs> hockey, and that doesn't happen in any other sport. It doesn't happen in the NFL. doesn't happen in basketball. In basketball, under 500 teams make the playoffs. That's it, it, brutal. The idea – there's so much to love about hockey, but what I will, won't say is I don't – I think hockey s- thrived during the NBC years in not trying to make people in Nebraska like them. Mm. I thought what hockey did well was reinforce their marketing dollars to make sure that people in Detroit love the Red Wings, and that people in Philadelphia love the Flyers. Make sure that the markets in which you are thriving, that you continue to build out those, so that these fan bases are infallible. You've met Shark fan, uh, San Jose Sharks fans; they're extremely passionate. And and they're, they're like, wait a second, I'm not in a hockey hotbed. They don't care because anybody who if you get bit by that bug you are in for life and uh you know i i'm i'm so joyous that my children i have 14 and 11 year old girls they are hockey nuts they are are all in for this and it's rejuvenated me i've probably been more of a fan this year than a media person just because i love watching the games with my kids there's so many good things that hockey has going for it. Don't screw it up with this. Yeah, and I, I hope the league has more of these nights. Like, it, yeah, that, me too. I, I hope they just say we're doing this every year. This is going to be an annual thing, and it's up to you. And I hope that players start to see the negative feedback. I want a lot of hockey players to hear this podcast. Mm-hmm. I want them to hear we're we're not speaking from a position of hate. All we're saying is these things are just, and what you did, whatever your reasoning was, is you slapped the face of the people you're doing it for. And that's so unnecessary.
2: Yeah, it's just, it's such a simple act to be inclusive. And then it creates such a ripple effect of chaos to be non-inclusive. So, yeah.
0: Um, Before we let you go, tell me about uh, your feelings about social media. Um, you roll your eyes. Well, right now, is it a, is it a cesspool?
2: It's a necessary evil, I think in, in certainly in my job. Um, but I mean, you know, I think Twitter for me has sort of been the main source of communication and, you know, as much of a cesspool as it can be, it's really a place where for me as somebody who, you know, is a little bit on the outskirts working towards, you know changing hockey culture, um, I've really found a community on Twitter. And I would say really during the pandemic was, there was a lot of growth in that area, but you know, just, just what's happening on Twitter right now. Um, well, the verification, with, like, thing,
0: the verification yeah, the ver- thing is it's, not about you or me. It's, no, it's about so ridiculous. you can't trust anybody, if you don't know who anybody is. And it, you know, I've seen trade deadlines where there were fake, Uh, trade rumors being sent out by fake reporters from fake insiders and you're just you're ruining the media. I don't care about the future of Twitter. What I care about is the future of how journalists get their message out.
2: Right. It's where, yeah, the exchange of information is already extremely compromised. Um, The fact that they're now starting to put these labels on like like NPR and now, you know, um, the BBC um, as being labeled state-run media. So the agenda is just so clear um, that this is not a neutral space for anybody to to have a voice. It is only one type of voice is now, you know, receiving preference and the other is actually being shut down. So it doesn't feel good. Um, and I've certainly, you know, I've used social media very much to my advantage, but, you know, it's also can be, if you're an opinionated person, like I am, um, you, you get it. And it sometimes does not feel very good.
0: Yeah. But you're not preachy with it. I I mean, I, I, all right. Full, full disclosure. I've followed you for about six weeks, (laughs) six, six weeks, uh, in what I've learned about you in six weeks, you're fun and you have a, you know, you have a positive attitude about it. You're not very preachy. Um, you know, there are I'm probably
2: pe- less preachy now because it's just, it's become a worse place. You know, I mean, oh, I certainly, I there are certain topics where I get pretty, you know, i start waving the flag when it comes to women in sport. Um, you know, when it comes to LGBTQ rights, um, there are certain, you know, certain areas where I, I do kind of, you know, soapbox, but, um, I'm, I think I'm a little bit more contained these days because it just feels so ugly there. And there's like been this weird, probably started in about 2016. So you do the math. Um, you know, there's just like this, uh, this permission was granted to people to be terrible. And, um, it's just really, it's kind of unbelievable actually.
0: It's gotten some, yeah, it's gotten some, some strange, uh strange bedfellows there's no secret about it Mm -hmm. well uh, i appreciate your candor and uh i'd love to have you back on the podcast where we could just talk about really fun things and great stories from (laughs) all your years um i i would love that maybe over the summer uh you know before training camp or something i I, I think when when things calm down for you um you know granted uh can i be an obnoxious fan I'll be busy in the next six weeks watching the playoffs. I don't know what you'll be doing.
2: (laughs) I'll be watching the playoffs, too. I I still like hockey, even if uh, if my team's not in it. Uh, I love it. I mean, playoffs are the best.
0: I tried to explain uh, to my 14-year-old. She said to me, because we went to the, the Devil's Last game last year. And she said that was really depressing. It was just a real deflated feeling. It was really depressing. I said, "You don't know depressing." I said, "Lose a seven gamer to the Rangers or lose a seven gamer to the Lightning." And I said, "You'll you'll you'll you will you will you not sleep for days."
2: Yeah, <laughs> it's hard, but at least you got there. So, um, anyway, no, you guys got you have a fun team. You got some got a couple Hughes brothers. Got Timo. Right. Yeah. Got uh, got some a Newfoundland boy and Dawson Mercer so lots to like
0: yeah even though he looks like he could go to high school with my kid
2: 100%. <laughs>
0: he looks so young it's, it's yeah it's, they are
2: line. a young team they are i mean they're which yeah. is great great yeah. for you
0: yeah it should be tara sloan thank you so much for doing this i really really appreciate the honesty and uh you have an open invite to come back on sports with friends
2: thank you thanks for having me
0: that is Tara Sloan. This is episode 399 of Sports with Friends. Next week we will have episode 400. I'm excited to present it to you, but it's going to be a fun one. Thanks for subscribing. Thank you for listening. And we will see you next week.
1: If you want me to stay, I'll be
0: around
1: today to be available for you to see. I'm about to Go. And then you'll know For me to stay I got to be me You'll never be in doubt That's what it's all about You can't take me for granted And smile Calvary, I'm gone Forget reaching me about Oh yeah.